Hello and welcome to the Found in the Forest podcast. I'm Craig Surhit. I developed this series around the feature-length documentary I created about the environmental school in British Columbia, which has had a real impact on how I feel about education. The next few episodes all deal with experiential education, which is one of the main pedagogies that the school is based on. Simply put, it's learning by doing, which sounds easy enough, but for it to be meaningful and in the context of place-based education, it requires a fair amount of forethought and planning on behalf of the educators. But I'll let the SFU researchers and teachers explain it much better. It's hard to understand what experience is and how we learn from experience. I think there is there's a basic sense that if we're out immersed and having a direct experience, that that's going to be better than, say, learning from a book. But learning from a book is also an experience. And some kids will learn better from a book than they will learn from, say, being outside for a whole host of reasons. So I would agree we do do a lot of experiential education activities. We're doing a lot of hands-on games. We're doing a lot of hands-on learning. We're doing a lot of things where we're immersed in a space and learning from and through that space. True experiential education should be really thoughtful and it should be nuanced and, re- and reflective where it's carefully crafting, it's designing a learning space where the kids have these, have a sense of what's going on and where they're moving towards. So I guess probably one of the best examples would be um, learning about salmon because a lot of kids in classes learn about salmon because it's a big deal to BC. What is more valuable to you? Opening a textbook, reading about the salmon life cycle, looking at a picture of a salmon, um, coloring a picture of salmon, and that's your day. Um, compared to picking up a salmon out of the river because it spawned and died, dissecting it, feeling the eggs, seeing the salmon in work, what are you going to remember more? The experience you actually had picking it up, looking at it, watching it, listening to it, or coloring that picture on the worksheet. Okay, so here it is. And this triangular shaped object, what do you think it is? It's definitely the heart. Well, it's, this one's kind of mushy. But anyway, there's this heart. And you see it's attached to the gills. So when, when the gills pull the oxygen out of the water, it immediately goes into the bloodstream and the heart circulates it around the body. Hands-on is, is often used, but I think that can be also misunderstood in a kind of trite way. You know, it's not just about hammering nails into wood, right? It's not. It's not hands-on and just in a sort of mindless doing way. I think it's a much deeper bodily connection to the learning than that, you know. So if we're learning about a particular plant that the students have just come across that they've never seen before, then it's the ability to touch that plant and feel how fragile it is, to really see the tiny little hairs on it, or then to see the bee land on it, you know, and get the pollen on its legs and then fly off again. And to see the connections in, in that way, both at a cognitive and a sensory level, I think that's, that's a lot of it. And most people really connect with that because as soon as they've got over, they're like, oh, how could you possibly be outside all the time? They often say, wow, that sounds great. I would have loved to have learned like that. So do you know what we use that plant for? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, it's a really important food plant. Uh-huh. Those berries are really good food. Flowers. Well, those flowers will turn into berries. Do they taste good? They taste delicious. The only 
problem why people don't like them is, is they're kind of hairy. I'm an archery instructor and um, I teach other other people how to how to be archery instructors. It's just one of the my hobbies or things that I enjoy is, is doing archery. I see archery and, and a lot of target sports as being really good for teaching focus. My, my son's an incredibly active child and I spend a lot of time going, don't do that, that's not going to be good for you. But when I go to the archery range with him or I go to the gun range, he can be spend two hours without me telling him what to do once and he will be completely safe and completely focused and on. And um, I think those skills that you learn there wind up transferring over to your, your learning abilities or your skills as you learn other things too. I also see it in following a process because there's a, a real process to setting up and taking a proper shot and being accurate and being consistent. And those kind of skills, if they can learn to master that, they, they, they take the same thing and do that when they're writing. Technology does play a role in the environmental school, but besides the high tech, students are also engaged with traditional technologies to help enrich their experiences. Here is environmental school's principal Clayton Maitland and teachers Mario and Dana to explain the school's relationship with technology. We engage in a lot of technology, saws, hammers, um, levels, squares, anything to build something out of. We work with knitting needles and protractors and compasses and laptops, right? So there's the whole list of technology that we can use. Last year, a fun thing was when we built our outhouse. We went to Golden Pond, no bathroom facilities, so of course we built our outhouse. And for the younger kids, I took all the wood scraps, gave them hammers and a bucket of nails and said, you know, fill your boots, have at her. And I recall one little girl saying, my dad never lets me do this. <laughs> and away they went. And no bruised fingers. If they, if they do whack their fingers, they didn't tell me about it. Maybe they were afraid that I would take it away. I don't know, but they just happily pounded nails. And when they got a little bit better at pounding nails, they started building boats or whatever they could build. So there was a lot of learning going on there. And again, that was the opportunity, tools in their hands. Kids first have to respect the tool to be able to use it. If they can't respect it, they can't use it. If they can't show that they're going to be mature about it, they can't bring it. They can't take it out. You have five-year-olds that understand the term blood bubble, which was taught to them last year, which means if they're working with a pocket knife, they can't have anyone within arm's distance away from them. They all understand. We go over how to carve away from your body. Like there's a lot of lessons that go around the use of tools. So it's just not, you can just bring it whenever you want and use it whenever you want. There's a lot of respect and, and teaching that goes in, into being able to use the tools that they use. What school there? <laughs> no schools besides ours are okay with kids having a pocket knife. None. Of course they're cooking our hot lunch program. It's amazing when you see kindergarten kids with pretty sharp knives and chopping vegetables. It's awesome. <laughs> How's this one going? Perfect. Okay, you can just probably just dump the rest in there, Nate. No. I'll miss it. Uh-oh. Hot lunch started with the discussion around food security and about agriculture and wanting to go a whole cycle of learning around uh, what we could do to teach kids about food. And so our goal was to 
grow the food and then do the whole cycle of learning, which would, which would intensify what uh, food security would look like. It's not just reading it in a book or talking about it at home. It's actually the full experience of what food security could look like. If they were doing the gardening, they prepared the food, and then they ate it and, and then do all the cleanup that goes along with that. So it's perfect. We actually want to let it sit now for a bit because the, the bottom of the pan is actually going to start to turn the brown and then I'm going to start to incorporate that sugar again. Big Feast Restaurant in Maple Ridge is owned by uh, parents of our school. So they volunteered to come in and give these kids an experience of cooking their lunch, from mixing ingredients, reading recipes, cutting, cooking, the whole nine yards and then we sit down and eat lunch together, which creates a really strong sense of community that cooking together, eating together. Besides being a great learning experience, the Hot Lunch program also highlights how community involvement is essential to the school's success. And I'll have more on that in an upcoming episode. But first, let's hear from Stacey Mulcahy, explain how she made the Hot Lunch program possible. One of our philosophies is that we don't actually do any marketing. We'd rather um, support the community in a way that represents our vision of the slow food movement and the local food movement and supporting our community to be self-sustainable and grow in a way that meets the needs within our own community first. So that's part of the reason why we wanted to be able to pair up with a school uh, within Maple Ridge and Pitt Meadows in order to be able to share some knowledge about the respective food. The feedback about hot lunch has been incredible because kids from from kindergarten through grade eight are now experienced using the tools of a kitchen so at home they're participating more they're able to make decisions around helping with the meal a lot better so it becomes that 24 7 form of learning uh, we're learning all the time and so we can take it from the schooling to home and back again and it, it makes it for uh, a much more social family time as well. It's not just the parents doing the cooking or serving. We've learned that some things work really well and we've pushed a lot of boundaries this year in terms of what we thought the kids could cook at the beginning of the year and what they've actually successfully completed. We had the, the Top Chef competition and put out a hundred ingredients on a table and broke everybody into groups and said, you need to create a dish using only seven ingredients. And everything was great. Everything actually tasted great and they only were able to use seven ingredients. They had to come up with a recipe, they had to work as a team, they had to use cooking skills and learn about flavor profiles and each team actually made a fully edible dish. I just think that knowledge and respect and creativity around food is just so much farther than even I expected at the end of the year. Hot lunch is probably one of the best examples of what I would call a circle of learning where the whole learning activity comes together. And it starts with the growing or making or gathering, and then the preparation, the cooking, the eating, the cleanup, right? Those all form a piece of that circle of learning that sometimes is missing in a conventional classroom. So the hot lunch program is that um, perfect example of possibilities for learning. The hot lunch program has evolved over the last couple of years to where now there doesn't need to be as much involvement from the restaurant. 
and the students are more involved with each step to make their hot lunch day possible, and it will continue to evolve as the school changes. Thanks for listening, and be sure to download next week's show as we continue our look at experiential education. And just a reminder, you can watch the entire documentary at foundintheforest.com. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send them to info at foundintheforest.com. And if you don't mind taking the time to rate this program in iTunes, it will not only help other people discover it, but it will also give me some good feedback. Girls and boys, how many of you really had a good time getting to cook or do something today as you made the meal? Right? How many of you kind of discovered that you really like some of the food that you cooked? Oh. I like those crepes and I like all the pastas. Me too! So, girls and boys, we need to say a massive thank you to Stacy and Mike.